Justin, headache up front, all right? Headache to start the podcast. Been a few weeks. Welcome back to our eights and eights of listeners. Justin, shut that window while we're out. Oh, my bad. Very professional uh, production we got going on over here. That was a sound effect. It wasn't a real window. Thanks a lot, Justin. We'll edit that out in post. Um, Justin, headache to start the podcast. You know what I hate, Justin? I was just talking about this with a friend of mine, and it made me re-hate it. What's that? When, 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 when... TV anchors, uh, characters in TV shows or movies, reality TV stars, people in the public square, um, public sphere, want to sound dumb, what do they do? I don't know, man. Okay. You're throwing okay. this one at me. What do they do? We'll edit that out, too. I thought you knew where we were going. They put on a southern accent. Oh, they do. Is that why not super I, frustrating? Why would I have thought that? But, yes, they do. They do. One, you know... Isn't that not super frustrating to you, Justin? It, as a that, as a man from the south with a, with himself a, an accent. Now that you say that, that is frustrating. Where did that come from? I was talking about that earlier with somebody. Okay. And uh, all right, it was uh, I, I was talking about that with a black guy, and we were talking kind of in the reverse of how uh, he feels sometimes. You maybe have heard the term code switching. Maybe you haven't. But, I have not. Okay, code switching is a is a sociological term. Uh, that certain groups, so in particular black people, especially in our context, they feel like they can't talk the way they would at a family reunion to at work or something, you know what I mean, or at school, yeah. right? Okay. So we were talking about that, and I just made kind of the observation, like, it's funny, it's ironic even, that a lot of guys from the South with thick accents would probably resonate with what you're saying because, you know, he was saying, like, I feel like I can't talk the way I might would at a family reunion because people are going to think I'm uneducated or whatever. A lot of guys from the South with thick accents would probably echo his sentiments. Okay. Um, so this is all – I'm processing a lot of stuff right now. So Done it right at you. Yeah, I used to be a substitute teacher, right? I, I subbed for a whole year in one class in Lancaster. And the kids in that class one day were talking about how they were applying for these jobs and how – like immediately when they heard it was Chick-fil-A calling or whoever calling about their application, they had to switch into what they called their customer service voice. Oh, right, right, right. So, yeah, so that, that kind of same thing. I'll tell you, you talked about from the other perspective, the um, guys with thick accents. I noticed, so I grew up in, in Buford. You know anything about Buford, Alan? Lancaster. Yeah, no, Buford. Yeah, but anyway. It's all so, the same. So uh, after I had been in Rock Hill teaching at Providence, for a while, I didn't sound like I was from Buford. Anymore. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. So I, I understand what you're, what yeah, you're yeah, talking yeah. about there. When I hang out with like my wife's grandfather, I use a little bit more Southern language. You know what I mean? I, sure. I, I put on a little twang because he hears that. You know, sure. uh, he resonates more with that. So, but it frustrates <laughs> me to no end. Um, when like a new, let's say ESPN were to be like, you know, can you believe these 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 jokers that want college football expansion or something like that. Like, they, they talk like this, and they think that's so frustrating to me. Because if 
people did that in any other respect, it would be obviously maligned for being uh, prejudiced or racist to a degree, like whatever, like put in another group. Sure. You know if, what I mean? And so it's frustrating if you put that the they just get away so with you're it. saying if you put the accent on of any other group. I'm not trying to be that Republican yeah. conservative guy. I don't know. That's what it sounds like. No, no, no. What I'm <laughs> saying is like, you know how anytime something happens to a white person, we're getting very candid on the podcast. Anytime something in the news happens to a white person, the 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 the, the run of the mill Republican guy on Fox News goes, "Can you just imagine if the shoe were on the other foot?" <laughs> I'm not trying to be that guy, but I do think it's funny yeah. that in the realm of making fun of people for being stupid, we've just accepted you can use the southern yeah, accent. The to do southern that. accent is the stupid accent. Justin, headline for this week. Yeah, what yeah. do we got? <laughs> the, the headline this week. You're not catching me off guard with this one. Um, I just I wrote down the difference between gladiators and football players. Um, if you were if you were watching uh, Monday Night Football this week, were you watching live? No, no. So if you were watching Monday Night Football this week, I was. I'm a huge Cincinnati Bengals fan. Um, something that I'm I'm pretty sure has never happened mm. this way happened on on live television. A defensive player made a tackle. And went into cardiac arrest. Crazy. His his heart stopped on the field. He Crazy. stands up from the tackle, and then falls over. Have you seen that part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I've okay. seen it yeah. now. Okay. Um, but yeah, you're watching it live, and he stands up and falls over, and you're like, "What's happening?" And then immediately, it's clear something terrible has happened. You can see it on the faces of the Bills players, the Bengals players. Yeah. Like, and then you find out they're giving this man CPR right on the field. That's crazy. So, you might be asking. Why the language here? The difference between gladiators and football players. I've seen a lot of people on social media talking about how football is is the modern day uh, gladiator, gladiator sport. sport. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, growing up, I always heard like when big hits would happen, yeah. and in latter years, as they've been adding in rules of targeting or sure. certain concussion protocols, all making you know. Um, uh, stripping away practice times uh, so that players have less contact. I hear uh, from uh, good old boys that grew up watching football their whole lives and stuff like that. They're taking the gladiator out of the sport. You know what I mean? It's a gladiator sport. We just have to accept that people get hurt. And there is an element of that. Like, sure. There is an element of this. you play the sport. It's risk-reward. You make a lot of money. Sometimes you get concussions. Yeah. You don't often get cardiac arrest, as you just pointed no, out. right. But, yes, uh, I've heard for years that football is the last gladiator sport. That's what people like to say. And I've always found a little bit – you're probably going to talk about this in a second, so I'm going to let you talk, so be ready. But I've always had a little bit of cringe when I hear, like, um, certain player safety measures are not good because this is a gladiator sport. You know what I mean? I'll agree. It's a gladiator sport in that it's the last – not even the last, but it's the last – Full contact, uh, uh, what's the term uh, when there's no no privileges or anything? It's just like if you make it, you make it. Oh, yeah. What's the term? It starts with an M, right? But it's sure. Yeah, we'll we'll edit we'll, this. We'll get there. We'll figure it we'll out. We'll edit yeah. this in post. Yeah. Uh, but it's like the last. You no know, privileges. Doesn't care who you are, where meritocracy. you come back. Ah! Meritocracy. All right, all right. Yeah. I'm gonna say meritocracy now, yeah. and then I'm gonna go back and yeah. edit it we'll put, in. We'll put it in. Yeah. All right, meritocracy. It's the last great, you know, meritocracy. No privileges, no nothing. You just get what you get because of your ability and your – who doesn't matter who you came – you know what I mean? Um, 
I've always taken a little bit of umbrage and a little bit of cringe when I hear that along with like, we shouldn't do anything because it's a gladiator meritocracy. You know what I mean? Would you agree with my sentiments? Um, sure. Yeah. Like I think protection, wherever you can provide greater player protection is a good thing. I, I would cringe too when I hear somebody say, no, we don't need to protect the players. Um, I'll be honest though, where I've seen people talk about the gladiator aspect of it, they're almost being critical of how we consume football. Like it's more on the, the maybe liberal side of things, mm-hmm. saying that football needs to go away. Sure. And these are modern day gladiators. That's definitely happening right now. And they're killing themselves for our entertainment. Right, right. That bothers me just the same because let let me think about gladiators, right? Like old school, like in the what's the, the Coliseum, right? They're they're battling for what? Because most of the time they were slaves, right? Right, right, right. They, they were, were battling they were, for their lives. Yeah, and they were being forced to do that. Right. Now, I want to be careful. I don't want to say something I shouldn't say. NFL players are very well compensated. Do you know what the league minimum salary is? Can I guess? Yeah. $350,000. $660,000 is bumping up to seven ten next year. Nice. I'm not saying we yeah, – inflation. I'm not saying we don't need to take care of those guys because we do. But – there's nobody in the NFL who's being forced to play. There's nobody in the NFL who doesn't understand the risks. But where there's a fine line is something like this that happened. We know the concussion dangers. We know the, the physicality, the broken bone dangers, the ACLs, all that kind of stuff. Cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. what looks like from a hit, like just the, the perfectly placed hit to the chest, that has never happened, and I don't know that there is a way to protect against that, is there? I don't, I don't know that there is, and I'm not sure that we need to abolish the sport right. because of that. I haven't thought long enough into it, but you're right. By all accounts, perfectly placed hit, perfectly timed hit, not that he was trying to do it. I right. just mean like right. from what I understand about the sports science or the science behind it is like if you're physically exerting yourself in such a way and then get hit, and such a particular perfect way, that can happen. You know, your heart can stop going. Um, so I guess that's what happened. And it wasn't T. Higgins' fault. Right. People have right. belabored that point, right? It was nobody's fault. Um, so I haven't thought long enough to say, you know, I could, I could change my mind, but right now I don't think it's worth abolishing the entire sport because something that's never happened before right. happened for the first time right. and may never even happen again. Right. And in, in the in – the, larger scale of this of this whole thing again i want to be careful i don't want to sound heartless but there are many jobs that are very dangerous jobs that are not as well compensated yeah the the nfl is high risk high reward and everybody knows what they're getting into and there are plenty of other jobs out there that people have to work to support a family that are high risk lot lower reward. Like, this isn't somebody who grew up in, like, a coal mine in town, and their only job, like, they've known their whole lives they were going to be a coal miner, and then right. there's, a, there's a collapse or something. Like, this isn't the same thing, right? Right, right. Like, I don't think it is. Then there's so much criticism out there because we, we uh, uh, consume the sport the way we do. But, again, this sounds heartless. There's, a, there's an understood danger when you – play a sport where people are moving as fast they are as strong as they are we need protection we also need to move away from this criticism of people who love watching football there were um there were opportunist charlatans sure or charlatan opportunists that arose right when it happened and said 
I wonder if this is related to him being vaccinated oh, or not. Yeah, that's you know what I mean? Too. And I know that there's things out there with the COVID vaccine and young people and heart problems, myocarditis. Right. Like, that's out there. Not the time and place to raise that question. No. And it turns out it's not the case. Right. Unless they change the story when he recovers and they say, hey, by the way, actually, this was the case. And then, so you might call those right-wing opportunists. And then there were what you might call left-wing charlatan opportunists who have taken this, to set, taken this uh, as their time to try and destroy the sport, which is right. what you're describing. Right, right. And and speaking of like opportunists and jumping on the 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 bandwagon of criticism and stuff, did you see Skip Bayless's tweet? Oh my gracious! Were, were you one that thought it was terrible, or you didn't? It didn't really bother you that much. I thought it was just dumb. Like everybody's thinking that. Right. Every okay, that's what I was gonna say. Everybody is thinking in the back of their mind. Everybody that has ever had a logistical thing like that's ever had to pay bills or ever done anything logistical in their life, moved to a new town, has sat has thought when this happened, man, if they cancel the game, what are they going to do? Because yeah. these teams have to play 17 games, right? Right. But like, that did not need to be yeah. said. And like, this is number two and three in the AFC. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But, but really, it was number one if Buffalo won. Oh, right, right. Because the only reason Kansas City was number one is because they played on Thursday night. Right. And they had a better record because they had played one more game. Right. If Buffalo wins, as they had a very good chance of doing, because they're a good team, they would have been the one seed. They had no chance, man. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry, I'm a Bengals fan. We talked about that. And they all yeah. uh, – and, and everybody knows, like, if Buffalo wins tonight, they have the one seed pretty much locked up. Like, they can do no wrong. And that's huge when you're talking about playing Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Yeah. Would you rather play Patrick Mahomes in your stadium or his stadium? Like, I'd rather not play Patrick Mahomes, yeah. but yeah, maybe, my, maybe yeah. my stadium. You know what I mean? So everybody's thinking that. Man, if, if they call this a tie, what's going to happen? Yeah. But it does not need to be said by right. anyone, especially not someone who has millions of followers. Right. So you know, it was absolutely, it was just dumb, ill-timed. It didn't. The tweet itself didn't even make that much sense because he says all these things and then he goes dot dot dot, which seems totally irrelevant now. You I don't think it's irrelevant yeah. if it's worth tweeting about, Skip Bayless. Well, so so here's. Man, this is going to be an episode where we just disagree on the Because you, did, you didn't think it was yeah. – yeah, So, yeah. so my, my thought when I saw it was this was exactly my thought process, which you said, like everybody's thinking that. But I know for me I was thinking that and I was thinking it, and I know the second that they said the players have five minutes to warm up, all I thought was there's no way they can play this game. And so in my mind I had the questions of what's it going to mean? They can't do this. There's no way – and then it kind of set in, like reality hit. Like somebody's life is on the line right now. Right. And so, so the tweet reads kind of like the way my mind went. They have to play the game. How, how is this going to work? Oh, wow, that's completely irrelevant right now. And so right, right. If, if there is a defense, and I know he apologized for the tweet, but if there is a defense for it, I would say he did. Like he – I think he was trying to make a different point than the one that came across. Perhaps, and that might be true. And I do think that um, this is another point that I heard well stated on very on on by a particular sports analyst. Um, people are looking for a boogeyman. Sure. So they blame the NFL. 
how dare the NFL give them, you know, tell them they have to play and only give them five minutes and all this kind of stuff. I think everybody in the world knew the NFL was not, they were not going to play that game right. after that happened. You know what I mean? But people wanted to be mad at somebody. So people wanted to be mad at the vaccine that right. may or may not have been the boogeyman. Now people want to be mad at the existence of the NFL. And um, some people want to be mad at Skip Bayless. Yeah. And they're reacting a little yeah. hard. I think the tweet was just dumb. Yeah. I think it need not be said. I think you and me watching the game in your living room might look at each other and go, I wonder what's going to happen because they have to play 18, yeah. you know, they have to play 17 games, right? 17 football. But it need not be said by somebody who has millions of followers. Right. It's just silly. It's just it's just uh, yeah. not wise. Yeah. And, like, if I had looked at you and said that in, in the living room, you wouldn't have looked back at me and said, are you serious right you now? You animal. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, I think he's got to have a little more situational awareness and realize this is not going to be received. And right understand now. he's got millions so, of followers. Yeah, I, think, I think you are right on that. But, yes, um, sure. big headline. Justin's a Bengals fan. Yeah. <laughs> that has and, never made sense yeah. to me. Explain it to me one last time. Why okay. in the world are you a Bengals okay. fan? So my, is it because T. Higgins is on the team? No, absolutely not. Um, no, so my mom. Is it because uh, DJ Reader's on the team? Uh, you know, he's a Clemson boy. That is not the reason, no. Um, so my mom's family, uh, she was born in South Carolina. Uh, they moved to Ohio. They were in Columbus. Um, my uncle, her younger brother, a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. So from the – the time I can remember, like my earliest days. You were being catechized. I, I was. I was. We do a really good job of that when it comes to sports, but not with Sounds uh, like headspace we but, should do. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so. That would have been a great segue. Yeah, it, it would have been. I'm so sorry. Your uncle it. catechized you to be a Bengals fan. He did. Amen. Segue. That would have been a great segue. <laughs> Instead, we got to talk about something else. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something. Never mind. Justin, what are we thinking about today? We're thinking about. This ad campaign. More football talk. More football talk, not much but, football but not talk. really. But we're going to use football to get there. So a bunch of people came to see these ads, this ad campaign, on New Year's Eve watching the college football playoff games. What a couple of good games. Uh, they were good games. All right, don't talk about that. No, we're going to – because I will talk about that forever. Um, no, it's the, it's the He Gets Us ad campaign. It's a conversation mm-hmm. about – who is Jesus? Uh, they say they want to reintroduce or introduce people to the Jesus of the Bible. Should we describe the commercial first? Uh, yeah, go for it. I think we should do this in the chronological order that any of our listeners may have seen this. Sure. And, and me, sure. personally. You've helped me understand this a little bit better in just the time that we've spent today, sure. which has been only a few minutes together so far today. Yeah. Um, yeah. Watching the college football playoff, up comes a commercial. Actually, I think it was during the Orange Bowl as well, but definitely okay. watching the college football playoff, up pops a commercial, family in South American country. Am I getting that right? Sure. I think so. And the narration is uh, there was a family who heard that a warlord or, a, I guess, a governmental leader was going to come get them because they thought that they were a part of an insurrection. So they escaped, and they were far away from the atrocities happening. And then here's the twist, in Bethlehem. And then the lettering comes on the screen. Jesus was a refugee. Um, right? Is that the whole right. commercial? That's right. the whole pretty commercial. Much, so much. Jesus was a refugee. And then the next slide is the advertisement for the company or, or ministry themselves. He gets us. He gets us. Right? And he gets us, as you just said, um, allegedly, right, like per their words, yep. exists to engage people with the Jesus who can relate to our struggles, essentially, right? right? And right. wants to reintroduce people. Uh, to the Jesus who has a great love for people of many struggles and many walks. 
And so, um, okay, before we get to what you have, I think, maybe helped me understand what the commercial means, yep. right? Here's what most people gut reaction was. Yeah. Uh, Jesus wasn't a refugee, although he, he pretty much was, maybe not. But, like, was Jesus really a refugee? Doesn't this seem like you're using Jesus for your political ends or your, or your social ends? You know what I mean? You're using a G, you're using a fact about Jesus's life as a means to an end to to state right. a political thing, right? That was the gut reaction. Right. I don't like this because of that. All right. Right. That was my gut reaction. It still is. I'm still not a fan of it. Another gut reaction was you spent all this money yeah. to own a minute of time during the college football playoff or a few minutes of time during the college football playoff in a couple different games, and you said Jesus was a refugee and not Jesus was a sa- not Jesus is the savior of the of the world. You know, sure. repent and believe. Right, fair criticism, I think. All right, all that, all that. Certainly not unfair. This is the chronological order of events: commercial, gut reactions, and then here we stand. Justin, is Jesus a refugee or the savior of the world? Uh, what's going on with this commercial? So, okay, so to to back up just a little bit because I want to be sure I get get the thoughts out there the right way. I saw the ads beforehand. I'd had a conversation with somebody, so I kind of came into this. Maybe in a different headspace than some. They, these commercials didn't take me by surprise. Um, I had I had seen a little bit of what they did before. I was surprised when I saw the reaction on social media of people saying, uh, and maybe some, especially more on the conservative side, that Jesus was never a refugee, and that the people who were making these ads know nothing of the the Jesus of the Bible and that kind of thing. And my. My thought, my kind of reaction, as we've talked about, is you ask, is Jesus refugee or is Jesus savior? And the, the right answer there is it's not either or, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's both. It's both and. Um, Jesus is savior. But the fact that, okay, Jesus was a refugee, as this commercial points out, they have some other ads that talk about Jesus' struggles, Jesus' uh, family life and that kind of stuff. The... It feels like the, the part of the gospel that they're really focusing in on is the fact that, as their name suggests, Jesus gets us. And that is part of the gospel message, right? Um, as we were talking about this earlier, is it, did you say Hebrews? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yes. Yeah. So we have a great high priest that can sympathize right. with us. Why don't I look that up, right? right? But keep talking. Um, so that is part of the gospel message. And I think what happened, and this, if I was going to have a separate headache, this is my headache. I think people heard a politically charged word, refugee, and they thought they were being beat over the head and they should change their mind on immigration and that kind of stuff. They thought it was a political ad right? Um, or, or an ad to make them feel guilty about how they thought about immigration or that kind of thing. And I don't think that's what it was. Um, as I've, as I've kind of looked at this, this thing, uh, I've, I've had a hard time finding any truly, truly controversial takes on their, their website. Um, I don't know. I've talked about this in the past. We need to be a little slower in our condemnation of, of people, right? Right. Um, so as you came in today, not to, not to like no, throw yeah. you under the bus or anything, I think you had a little bit of a different mindset because um, you, you would say that if you're going to spend this – ad revenue this this mm-hmm. money forget about the refugee jesus like cool, cool that's part of who he was he's savior people need right. to hear that that's true 
Yeah. People do need to hear it. People definitely need to hear that. Absolutely they need to hear it. Um, I think what this group is trying to do, though, is to say, hey, you've all heard that part from the religious people that you're familiar with. It almost feels like they're in this, this is going to sound really bad, almost like their goal is to rebrand Jesus. Right, right, right. When, when you hear that, what's your gut reaction to, to, yeah. to giving Jesus a rebrand? And the, the only problem that I have with what you just said, not just the language of rebranding, but like everybody's heard the, everybody has heard that Jesus is Savior, which it's not totally true, but I know sure, you're, what sure. you're saying, right? I'll, I'll grant you that point. Um, is we ought not substitute things for the message that saves, right? The right. message that saves is not Jesus is a re- was a refugee. Correct. That will save nobody. Right. No souls will be saved by knowing that fact, if right. you want to call it a fact. And I think it's fair to say it's pretty much a fact, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and we, we can talk about that because, like, some people have said, you know, well, Jesus wasn't a refugee because he went to Egypt, and Egypt was part of the Roman Empire. Right, right. But, like, he, he went to escape a in political this, leader. He, yeah. he's, he's in the sense that we know refugees, yeah. people that want to escape, like you just said, some sort of leader or violence yeah. or violent movement. Yes. So, um, yeah, I'll, that's fine. Um, I don't like uh, the idea of necessarily rebranding Jesus for that purpose, like as if some other message is going to get people to the God, get people to heaven. No other message is going to get people to heaven. I do think giving a message to people who are going to heaven, who are sna- stagnant in care for refugees or different things, can be a good thing. So, like, this is the quote, right? This is what we were, what you were referencing, Hebrews four. Um, since we, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And certainly from that, we can also extrapolate. He was tempted as we are, right? He can sympathize with our weaknesses. He can, he can also sympathize with our weaknesses in that being a flesh, being of humanity, having temporal bodies. He can sympathize with us there. And he can sympathize with us that he too was born into a world and in a situation where he faced political opposition. He faced uh, rulers who wanted him dead, as some people in our world face right now. Sure. That's a better message. That's a better idea of a commercial than this thing of we're going to do this to try and get people to the cross. I like actually better the idea that we're going to do this because there's people who are watching college football who are Christians and are Christians. I'm not. They're not fake Christians. They are Christians. Yeah but are anti-whatever movement, and in this case, they chose refugee. But they need to understand Jesus would probably be for this. You know what I mean? Jesus would want you to be pro-refugee or whatever. Like, I can appreciate that to a degree. I don't like the whole rebranding of the gospel kind of thing, like we're going to give it to them in a new package way because that's not going to help anybody. But as a point of application, you might say, like a sermon, you know, as a point of application, I actually don't totally hate it now that you and I have talked about it. Well, so when I I say rebrand, though, like – let me let me pitch this real quick. So you and I both know the the Christians who claim Christ, who are Christians maybe in name only, the nominal Christians out there, who are much more politically motivated than we right. probably should be. And they have used Jesus, the name yeah. of Jesus, to do some some not so great things and to make some not so great points. And so when I say Jesus needs a rebrand, I don't necessarily mean we need to come up with some new campaign to pitch Jesus to people, but 
what they're saying in, in trying to introduce people to the Jesus of the Bible is, hey, the Jesus that you've heard people talk about who hates you for your abortion, who hates you for your illegal immigration status, who hates you for this, that, and the other, that Jesus doesn't exist. Mm. Like, Jesus understands you. Jesus gets who you are. So you said that you're okay from the standpoint of the people who watch the commercial maybe need to realize, oh, you know what, I'm maybe not being as loving as I should be to people. I think the people who we haven't been as loving Mm. to as we should be if that wording makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I think those people, we're trying to get that commercial to those people so they can say, wait a second, the Jesus that I have had thrown in my face is not the Jesus of the Bible. Hmm, that's fair. Um, and I think that's where these people are trying to go with their campaign. And, you know, I think another another question that some people had as they saw this is like, we're so familiar with a prosperity gospel, a health and wealth gospel, a, a people who use Jesus to either make money or make political points. I think that's another thing they were scared of when they saw these ads. Dude, I've been on the website. I struggled to find a place to give money. I struggled a place I struggled to find a place to buy merchandise. What I didn't struggle with was a place to partner and be a volunteer to communicate with those who came to the website looking for help. Mm. Like so their their goal it looks like and I have questions on how they're doing this, on how they're how they're vetting churches, but it looks like what they're doing is trying to partner with local churches who if somebody in Rock Hill, South Carolina says, Hey, I need to go to that website, that's the Jesus I want to hear about, they can get their information and then send it to a so and so Baptist church right, right. or a whatever Church of Christ or Church of God or, or whatever. Um, and try to connect them with a local person who can really talk about the full gospel. Right. Um, you know, it sounds like I'm very, very much pro this campaign right now. I'm still in a little bit of wait and see mode because there's always the chance for, you know, for somebody to. I mean, they're humans, right? There's, a, there's odds are they, they're going to let us down at some point. Like people let us down, but I don't want us to immediately rush to a conclusion that somebody is against us right? because they use politically charged language when that's not the point yeah. they're trying to make. Yeah. You know? I think you present a compelling case for this whole he gets us thing. Um, that actually has taken me to a different level of thinking about it. I don't agree with you entirely, but I think it's very right. interesting. One other thing that I thought about it headspace-wise, it was headspace slash headache, is let's just say that all he gets us was, was a political movement that was twisting the words of Scripture, right? Sure. So some people say that that's what they are. Right. I think you've made a compelling case that that's not all that they are. Let's just say that they are. Um, I, I'm, I'm very frustrated that there's going to be a movement on uh, the Republican side of the aisle to be like, how dare they use the words of our Lord or the, uh, the, the life facts of our, of our Lord yeah. um, when we have elected several uh, Republican uh, uh, different uh, people, right, of different uh, positions, and they do the same junk. So you and I were joking about one uh, before we started recording. Lauren Boebert, <laughs> uh, she, said, she said uh, during her campaign, right, because uh, she's a Second Amendment type person, she said um, uh, that Jesus Jesus was killed by political uh, a political party because he didn't have AK 47s and AR or I guess it was actually AR 15s But like, because because that's 
Because that's something people like to say about Jesus. Yeah. Jesus was killed by the political powers that be. You know what I mean? So you yeah. better watch out because, you know, if the government gets too big, they might try to crucify you. And it's like, hold yeah. up, buddy. What yeah. are we doing with this, right? Yeah. Like you're taking a fact about Jesus's life, ignoring the real part to it. And that's what she did. And people have been doing that on the right for a long, long time. And just because somebody on the left maybe sort of dipped their toe in that with he gets us. Yeah. Just because they maybe sort of dipped their toe in taking kind of a, a left-wing thing here. Like, let's not act like we haven't been electing people who have been doing this for years. Right. Well, and so the, the, just the crazy thing about that is if Jesus had had an AR-15, maybe that wouldn't have happened. Dude, like, first off, Jesus is God. If he didn't submit to, the de- to his death, he wouldn't have died anyway, right? But then how dumb do you have to be? To make the case that maybe if the Savior hadn't died, we'd all be okay right now. Like, that's come, a good point. Come on, man. And so, hey, that's a great segue into this one other thing about the He Gets Us campaign. We talked about Jesus' death from the right and using that as like a we need guns argument. Listen to this from the He Gets Us campaign. The way Jesus responded in the face of injustice suggests we're asking the wrong question when we, when we ask who to blame. When he was nailed up on a cross, he audibly forgave the people that put him there. He didn't hold anyone responsible. When Jesus was the object of injustice, he chose forgiveness. And he called others to look inward and do the same. In a world of finger-pointing and blame-placing, Jesus' approach is radical. We think living by it would change everything. Like, man. Sounds like some liberal gobbledygook to me. No, no, that's, that's fantastic, man. Like, if we could just take a step back and say, Jesus forgave, why can't I? And like, there's the reason I say that this isn't just a purely liberal thing. This is a message against social justice in like the governmental social justice sense, is it not? It's a message that says, stop fighting for social justice and just forgive people. Mm. Like, man, I can get on board with that message. Are they perfect? I don't think so. Are they okay? I, I don't think there's anything harmful here. It's a, it's a really interesting conversation to have, though. Um, I really like what you said. We can't sit on the right and say, hey, you on the left, you can't do that when we've been supporting people who have done that for years. And, and this gets back, you know, I want to be, be clear. It's not a ton of conservatives doing it. It's a ton of Republicans doing it. Right. And that's an episode we did a couple right. of, we, we you did. know, maybe a month ago before the new year. Justin, you know what grinds my gears as we, head, as we headache? You know what I'm increasingly becoming ached by in my head? What? Place kicking. In football, and and then because I like college football more, college football, place kicking. Let me just paint this scenario for you, Justin. Tell it. All right? I'm I'm doing this off the fly, so let's not dive too far into the analogy, okay? Like, don't, 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 don't. Uh, don't, I will not rip you apart. Don't rip me apart too hard. All right, let's say you're a youth pastor, Justin, of a nice Southern Baptist church, right? Which you are. Okay, and you're going to throw a, a youth event, maybe a night vision. So sure. a sort of a, a, sure. a, God, a lock-in. There yeah, you go. Yeah, sort yeah. of a lock-in style event. And you've planned it. You've got some adults that are going to help you do it, right? Some youth-specific adults, parents of kids, people that volunteer all year long, right? You run the event. You put the event on. The event is going great. And in the 11th hour, as the event is coming to a close, right before parents come to get their kids, some other member of the church, a saint, will be serving, you know, worshiping the Lord for all eternity, who has nothing to do with the youth ministry, right? Doesn't do, a, doesn't do a thing for the youth ministry or in the youth ministry, right? They do, they serve the church in other capacities. 
comes up into your event and absolutely ruins it. Uh, bursts a pipe in the wall, pours paint all over everybody. I don't know. Just name it. Have, they you, just, had, have you had a bad experience with a lock-in? No. Let me. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Keep going. Keep going. You're doing the thing that I'm describing right now. Let's just say that one podcast host gave the greatest analogy of all time, and then the other podcast host who did nothing at all came in in the 11th hour and ruined it. Okay, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. This person does nothing to help your event, is not a part of your event, but then at the 11th hour comes in and ruins it. Or let's say they do nothing for the event, they do nothing to help, hurt, or serve in the event, and then in the 11th hour they come in, crack one funny joke, and then everybody goes, man, can you believe that Billy Bob put on a fantastic youth event? Oh, my goodness. Meanwhile, Justin Dutton put on the event. Yeah. Now, this is not a diatribe about pride or ownership of things. This is an analogy to say place kickers play zero football. They, they play zero any aspect of football. Uh, passing, catching, tackling, uh, blocking. They do zero of it unless <laughs> unless there is an emergency, yeah. <laughs> unless they are the last okay. line of defense and then they just fall down and let the guy, okay. you know, return the okay. kick. They play zero football, Justin. Okay. But then in the 11th hour, they can either be the hero. Sure. Right. And get all the credit, even though they didn't do a darn thing. Yeah. Or they can absolutely ruin a good team's game because they didn't do the one job they had to do. Are you hurt? I'm not necessarily hurt. I just think that's a good argument, a compelling case. And that was on display. That was on display in the college football playoff. You, uh, Ohio State, greatest game they played all season against a great team. By all accounts, could have beaten them. I mean, and, then, have. and then all they do is ask the kicker to do the one thing that he's supposed to do, and he blows it. Like he's on scholarship to and, do this thing. And quite frankly, Clemson – in the first quarter, or so maybe the start of the second quarter, too. All you ask the kicker to do is make field goals. And it, you know what? If he makes his field goals, maybe it's a completely different game. But instead, he misses three field goals. You, but you get what I'm saying, right? They do nothing to, for football, and you then know, they can make or break the whole thing. You know, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you. I can't relate because as a South Carolina fan, our place kicker didn't miss a single kick this year. And just to broaden it out to special teams as a whole – our punter had you two have, touchdown passes. You have the greatest punter so, of all time. I mean, the greatest punter. I watched in the, the game, South Carolina Clemson. You have the greatest <laughs> punter in the history of the okay, world. So, so I mean, as you're talking about this, I just can't relate. Our our kickers are just the greatest kickers of all. Time. But then that still is the case. Like it is. I they don't see. play any football. Punting is still a little different because that's yeah. kind of a play. I mean, yeah. quarterbacks sometimes punt. You know, yeah. pooch kick. But, like, punting is still kind of a way that we transition the ball between each other. But place kicking, they do nothing. They do nothing. They score points. Yes, they score points, but not in a football way. Like, I'd, like I'd even be fine getting rid of extra points for that matter because that's not a football play. I would no. argue. I would argue that it is the quintessential oh my football gosh. play because how, World how, how, many, how many plays does a foot touch a ball? It never happens. It's a game called football, and the kicker's foot touches the. I'm just kidding. I'm no, sorry. I shouldn't have enough. gone there. <laughs> that was that was really dumb. My analogy. And I apologize. My analogy really drug all this I, thing out. No, do you I understand, understand what I'm saying. I do. You understand why my head like, is ached. The, the offense will have this great drive to get into field goal range, right? Oh my gosh. And the kicker comes out, and oh he didn't do anything. Hey, guy. 
our drive came just a little short, but you know, if you get us some points, we'll have some real momentum. Yeah. Hey, guy, it's the end of the game. We're about to go to the national championship. I know it's 50 yards, but your range is 54 yards. You, Could you just make this? You've been sitting on the bench, like, drinking Gatorade and talking to the trainers the whole game. Like, could you just chip in just a little bit? I like – like, I don't think we need to get rid of kicking. But it is very frustrating when the guy doesn't play football. But he can make or break a season. So, so I'll, I'll say this, too. Uh, you did not play football, right? You, you didn't – you were, you were banned. Oh, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not in high school. No, I didn't so, play football in high school. So, I – I didn't. I didn't play football in high school. Just in case any of my old teammates are listening, I sat on the bench. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I was on the football. You're on the team. I was on the team. I practiced sometimes. I I did the running most of the time. Uh, but I remember almost every practice, and I loved our kicker. He was one of my friends. He did not practice the same way we practiced. So like, I get what you're saying. That kicking almost isn't really part of the. It is a part of the game. There's too much weight on this one person who never touches the field. Right. Except when he can score. Can huh. make or break an entire season. Yeah. Wow. That is a good headache. My Or a bad headache. Yeah, it is. Because, yeah. like, if, if the Ohio State kicker had made it, Ohio State would be like, man, that's dumb, but yeah, hallelujah yeah, yeah. for that guy. And you know what? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Clemson's won a few games over the years by field goal. And, like, it's cool and all. Yeah. But it still doesn't feel all that much like football. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm just frustrated because for one night I was a proxy. Uh, I, you know, I was a I was an in spirit Ohio State don't, fan. Don't say that, man. I ought not have said that, you're, but now it's recorded. Your Clemson brethren are not gonna receive that well. Yeah, that's right. You you know what's terrible? What? Just being an NC State fan. Yeah. Sorry, we hadn't worked that one in. <laughs> Dude. So. They lost the Mayo Bowl to a guy wearing a Mario hat that was about three feet in diameter. How miserable is that? I genuinely think they lost that on purpose. Because they didn't want to get dumped. Because didn't want the Mayo Dave Doran, it would not surprise me if he lost a game on purpose for that reason. I don't really care for Dave Doran. He um, seems like a joyless individual. Yeah. Um, miserable guy. I mean, he like uh, he went on his little like post-game show that he used to do. I don't know if he still does it. After an NC State Clemson game where Clemson won, it was like 2015, 2016. Uh, Deshaun Watson was a quarterback at Clemson, and they had uh, injured our running back in the game, gave him a concussion or whatever. Well, not gave him a concussion, but hit him and he got a concussion. Yeah. And Dave Dorn in the post game show was like, "I thought we had a great chance of winning today. Uh, you know, we knocked their running back out of the game and yada yada yada." And it's like, bro, Yikes. what are you doing? Bro, that's not good. That's not. And okay. then there was a few years ago, 2018. We're just going at this point. Uh, there was a few years ago, 2018, where Cle- Kelly Bryant led us into uh, Carter Finley Stadium and uh, won the game. That was that was a great game. And uh, after the game, Dave Doran starts accusing Clemson of having a laptop on the sideline and doing all, all kinds of shenanigans. You know what I mean? Yeah, that laptop probably came from New Spring. That's my that's my guess. Because of the lack of self awareness, <laughs> South Carolina fans have lost their self awareness. No, but you know what I'm saying. And yeah. then that that prompted Dabo to have the great line where he was like, uh, where he was like, um, yeah, I guess he thinks what were we what were we droning in some Amazon Prime deliveries? You know what I mean from the sideline. Could have used some more towels. And Dabo said that could have used some more towels because they had uh, Bradley Chubb, fantastic defensive lineman. He's played in the NFL a number of years, but he kept stealing Kelly Bryant's towel and then throwing it to his sideline. 
So Dabo Sweeney made that great line where he was like, yeah, we were calling in Amazon Prime to bring us some more towels. Pretty good. Petty King. <laughs> um, that was great. But in that, at the end of that very game, I'm talking at this point. Yeah, go we we ought, to need, go ought to hit the it. record button and stop all this. No. But at the end of that game, Kayvon Wallace, man, throwing it back. Kayvon Wallace caught an interception to end the game. He runs down the sideline, you know, trying to return it, and then he gets pushed out of bounds. And as he gets pushed out of bounds, one of Dave Doran's assistant coaches swipes at Kayvon Martin's hand, or Kayvon Wallace's hand. So Dave Doran, in the span of one game, accuses us of cheating, has one of his assistant coaches swipe at our players after the game is over. You know what I mean? It's like, I just, I'm just going at this point. Keith, so, Keith, I love, <laughs> Keith, full on name I love you. I do not like your it's, team of choice. It's a, it's a, he doesn't like Dave Doran. Does he really? No. Good, there's not there's no such thing as an NC State fan who loves Dave Doran. Is that real? Yeah, no. They oh, because the ones on Twitter that talk all this junk. No. Dude, before the season. Can I keep going for a second? Go, Justin? go for it. Before the season. This is part of what made this season for Clemson so glorious, even though lackluster ending. Pause. This might be the greatest headache segment of all time. It go. no doubt is. Before the season started, uh, three NC State players, I think they were all on defense, got caught. Like it was it was like um What's that NFL show where they follow a team? It's on HBO or Showtime. Uh, hard Knocks. Yes, it was Hard Knocks-ish. It was like a documentary kind of thing in in the film session. And these three NC State players go, one of them goes, Clemson really got really think they got the best defense in the ACC still. And then the other guy sitting next to him goes, gets like frustrated. He's visibly fl- frustrated. And he's like, oh, you know what I mean? And it's like you can tell this guy is really passionately thinks that Clemson does not have the best defense in the ACC. And then Clemson went on to win the ACC again. Another reason why, I've said this for a few weeks now, this season was so glorious in that Clemson re-humbled the ACC in just a chef's kiss manner, succulent fashion. Meanwhile, South Carolina fans just sitting over here like, hey, we won eight games this year. We're, yeah. we're And we good. beat Clemson. And we, beat Clemson, beat t- embarrassed Tennessee. That's tough, dude. Like, I don't want this to be where I live all the time in my South Carolina fandom, mm. but this was a – Fantastic year. So you sit there and talk about Clemson all you want to. We won. We won eight games. We barely lost a bowl game that we had no business even being close with all the opt-outs we had. It was it was a great season. No, 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 no. Justin, stop that right now. That is propaganda. What? You had every business to win that game. Notre Dame was playing a quarterback that hadn't started in 10 weeks or something like that. But he was their starter coming into the season. Justin. Don't s- tell me this mess about him being garbage. Justin, I don't care if he was. He was their starter coming interrupt into the season. <laughs> <laughs> they were starting a quarterback that hadn't played in like two years. Right. Uh, they had their best defensive player opt out, which perhaps you guys did as well. We, we did. Sure. And then they had their best tight end, who's like the best tight end in the country, opt out. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you had Spencer Rattler, who's never been – there's never been a hot – let me rephrase what I was about to say. There's never been a more hot uh, – no, let me rephrase what I'm about to say. There has never been a player more red hot than Spencer Rattler. Did I say that right yet? I don't know. What I'm getting is that you've got the hots for Spencer Rattler. Fair is that enough. what you said? Spencer Frattler. Yeah, Spencer Frattler. Yes. No, you had every business to win that game. And you know what? I don't fault you for losing because it's not like you got blown out. Like, I'm not trying to be like that guy. But I didn't see a world – in which Notre Dame was going to beat you. And they played their best game probably of the season, something like that. So let, let me have this moment real quick. That's so, fine. so we had Jaheim Bell opt out. 
Austin Stockton yeah, opt true. out. That is we were true. playing an FCS transfer at tight end who did fantastic, and we were moving the ball. He got hurt at the end of the first quarter, early second quarter, so we had no tight ends. So we had to go from whatever the the number is, twelve format. I don't know, twelve personnel to ten personnel. We we couldn't line up and run in a run game personnel. So our game plan was immediately shifted at that point. Is why things fell apart offensively for us. Um, did I say our best cornerback? Opted out. You did not say that. The cornerback defensive tackle opted out. Um, we had a defensive end playing who already had one foot out the door with the NIL stuff. Um, so I understand we were hot coming in. Uh, one of our best receivers got hurt in the Clemson game. Who was that? Um, uh, 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 Josh Van. Um, did Juice Wells play? Uh, Juice Wells did play. Did Spencer Rattler play? Spencer Rattler did. You should have won. Not, not, no, let me rephrase what I'm about to say. You should not have expected to lose. Right, right, right. Okay, that's fair. I understand what you're saying. We shouldn't win anything. Ultimately, the game ending with a seven-point win, one way or another. Justin, this has been a fabulous episode. I hope the listeners think so. Back at it.